You are now entering the Thick Goddess Energy Morning Show. Building didn't let my fears kill me. Transmuting my pain in the cleanse in the rain. Found out I was working and I conquered my demons. I accepted my purpose and the goddess I became. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's your thick goddess energy morning show. I am your host, Ariana. The quantum healers in the building, baby. And welcome back. Season two is in effect. <laughs> Let's get it. I'm so excited to be back again. Go check out how it all began on the new YouTube channel, Thick Goddess Energy Morning Show on YouTube. Link is in the description. And catch up on season one backstage and uh, clips on the YouTube channel, as well as going and listening to the whole season one. If you didn't already do that, you had so much time to catch up and watch and listen to all of the episodes so you could be ready for season two. So hopefully you did what you were supposed to do, right? <laughs> Links are going to be in the description, but today I got special guests um, as well. Uh, Queenie's Divine Tarot is with me today, and we're going to talk about dysfunctional families because don't we all know about this shit? And we want to give you some insight. So let's get into it. All right, so I have special guests with me today, Queenie from Divine Tarot Reading, um, and we're going to be talking about dysfunctional families today, which boy, I got so much experience in this shit, I just don't know, I should have a damn certificate in this, <laughs> but before we get into it, I want Queenie to just uh, tell us a little bit about herself um, and her background before we get into the topic. Yes, I am a tarot reader, um, medium. I read Lenore, Lenore cards. Um, but it wasn't just <clears throat> by my own coincidence. I was awoken and then thanks to um, the goddess energy, she had just came across me on Facebook and then I see and she just became my mentor and my and everything towards of what I've learned from this moment on, I I thanked her for it. But I've moved on further than beyond from what she has taught me. And um I do a lot of different things now. But um I'm a full-time wife, a full-time grandma, um, a full-time everything. You know, I I, I learn, do my own practicing. I do my own, I have my own group. I have everything that is part of life that you can wish that you can enjoy, but that dysfunctional family is definitely in my lifestyle. Um, you know, um, I would say that um, I grew up in a most dysfunctional family, but you know, I have that experience. But as for me, I am a very spiritual and I do trust in God. I still sometimes go to church and you know, I'm still obligated to do that. 
and I do cross my T's and I's when it goes past in the cemetery. So, you know, I, I'm in both. I'm very open, very spiritual. I do believe in God. I believe in the universe. And without that, I don't think I'll be going anywhere in this universe today. And I want to thank Big Goddess Energy for having me here today to speak about this definite emotional and the functional family because I think that this really focuses on everybody's energy and it'll focus on not just mine but everybody who maybe can connect with something because you know it's not just about being a single parent or being in a dysfunctional family you can be with your husband or your partner for over 20 some odd years and it can still be dysfunctional right you know you know you can everybody can think oh wow it's you've been with this person for so long and you've been oh and you've been with this person and it's been it's been great how how do you do it it's not how you do it it's how you work it because it's not it's still the functional the dysfunctional because of the fact that people don't see the insides of your home they don't see the insides of your emotions you end up building it all up and you don't tell everybody all your secrets okay and people that are single moms yes people as a single mom they definitely people know that it's a struggle single dads it's a struggle you know but when you're as a couple you don't realize you you think everything is just oh peachy glory and everything but no it's not that's not the way that i grew up right you know right so that's what i'm here for and that's what i'm here to discuss and let's bring this topic to the table right one of the things i wanted to go back to was how the dysfunctional family starts like because uh, you know when you're when you're raised in your home it's just normal to you everything that you guys do is just normal how you talk to each other is just normal so you end up being raised in a certain way and then you end up doing the same thing in your home and so you know some of the things when we're looking at when we're raised you know mother father are supposed to be your first nurturers and supporters in your life they are supposed to be the people who guide you not to say that they do the best job a lot of the times because my parents didn't know how to nurture they both weren't nurtured you know they weren't nurtured by their family you know their parents so they had no idea how to nurture children so then they raised two children in energy of no nurture not showing our emotions you know not talking about our problems we just swept the shit underneath the rug and and you know don't deal with our problems we just you know keep it pushing so then you grow up thinking oh this is how we act this is how, you know, and I don't know like what all, you know, um, resonates with that, but your childhood, especially the first seven years of your life are everything to what's going to shape you of how you deal with relationships when you get older and how you deal with just the love and connections that come into your life, your friends, not just romantically, your friends, you know, the type of people that you hang around, the type of people that you allow around you, it's all going to be on some level dysfunctional. 
You know, when you're cursing each other out, when you're demeaning, and I'm not just saying um, joking with each other. I'm talking about where it gets to, where the argument goes to cursing each other out, demeaning each other to the point where you have to drive a stake in every wrong thing they've ever done. You got to talk shit about them and, and that they're a piece of shit. And then at the family barbecue, everybody's good. No, at my house, at the family barbecue, everybody's throwing beer bottles and cutting somebody with the beer bottle because right. they're fighting. Right, right. And sometimes it's like that, too, where it's all of this pent up. And then at the occasion, the family occasion, everybody's blowing the fuck up. And again, there's a time and a place for everything. But there's a lot of families that don't sit and have these conversations. Parents don't sit with their children and have these conversations. So then those children grow up to be what? People who don't talk about shit. We don't talk about it. We don't deal with it until we're angry. Then all hell breaks loose when everybody's angry and emotional. Um, and I always say like, don't do anything when you're in those emotions and anger, take a step back because you sometimes can't take shit back. Once it's, you've said it, it's out there. You can't take it back. Like I still, you know, I'm working with my mom now about, about a lot of things. And even like her being here has triggered a lot of my childhood stuff. And through my years with her, she said some really harsh shit to me. And even though I've grown and I've healed, it doesn't take that away doesn't remove those words those words are still there very strong and those words cut you know and I think that people have to do better that if I love you I'm not going to cut you down with anything not words not my hands nothing like that you know there was a difference even like with my daughter from me disciplining her you know because I was a firm believer like whoop that child's ass not beat the kid but whoop their ass <laughs> you know, I'm a firm believer that you know if you said something you got slap the shit out of like that's 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 where that's how I, I saw it and my thing with my daughter was like if, if I have to put hands on you you're gonna feel it you're gonna make sure that you fucking feel it to where you never want to do shit again and she can count on one hand how many times I really like had to whoop her ass you know she actually was a really good kid so but one of the things though that I did differently with my daughter is that I never wanted to cut her down with my words. I never, I never called her a hoe. I never called her a bitch. I never said she was stupid. I never told her to shut up. It, actually in my house, we didn't say shut up. I said, be quiet. I made an effort to not say any words that would demean her or make her feel lower or littler than what she, what she would already have to deal with in this word. But it took a lot of effort because there were times where that dysfunction would want to come out in those moments where I'm stressed. Um, you know, she's doing something that's getting on my fucking nerves and it's just like, ah, but you have to step in that space and say, somebody has to change the dynamic. Somebody has to change how we talk to each other. You know, I can't cuss her out. What What's the point of that? You know? Yeah, I agree definitely because when I was growing up, both my parents, you know, they were together over 40 some odd years, you know, and back in that time, you know, it, it was it was stuck with that, you know, and they were really strict and really this and that. But they were both alcoholics, you know. Right. And, that plays a big part in the dysfunction too, y'all. Yeah, it does. And, you know, then my mom stopped drinking. My dad would continue to drink. And then my dad would then beat on my mom. 
And then, you know, we would run away and come back and run away and come back. Then finally my dad stopped. And then that's when all of it still continued. It still continued because of the fact, then the strictness just stayed there. You know, you do this this way, you do it that way. And there was no talking about it, you know. And then that's when, you know, I was born premature. So I was real sickly as a child at first. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so they wouldn't hit me at first. It was always my older brother and my sister. My It was to the point where my mom used to throw things. My mom right. threw a knife and ended up hitting my brother instead of my sister with the knife. And you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, they police didn't pay no mind to that stuff. No. You know? So, you know, and then when I got older and I got healthier, then I start getting the whoopings, you know, and I just felt like I couldn't even openly express myself right. to my parents because right. if I tried, you know, I, I just always felt alone mm. because, you know, I, I, and I would, you know, how do you say, uh, back away from my family. My sister, she ran away. My Mm. brother, he thought he was the boss and he would try to control me and my sister. And, you know, so she would run away. I would stay alone and, you know, be the the, the black sheep with my sister. Because once my sister ran away, she ran away and she jumped into another religion and she did all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when she did come back, you know, um, I end up taking her in and she was pregnant. She was all in close clothes and mm-hmm. I I I was always, you know, I was just the black sheep. And but the point was they never talked about it. They all only say you just still do this and that. But when my sister did finally come back and they did accept her. Then I had to, we had a deal with her boyfriend. Right. It was nothing but physical altercations, and you know, I mean, deadly physical altercations, not just just family. The rest of the family cut my family out like it was the black sheep of the entire family. Uh, my my mom and my mom's sisters wouldn't talk to her. My dad's family, you know, God rest my not my grandmother or my grandfather, but his brothers, they were just as worse. Though so he wouldn't even talk to them. But my mom's side of the family just cut my mom off of everything because what my sister decided to do was when she ran away because, you know, she was molested. Um, and being, you know, abused physically, um, she ran away. And then when she ran away, she went to be with uh, an Afri- you know, an, a black man, an African, who cares? It goes back to the world. But he was Muslim. He made her be a Muslim. And, you know, who cares? That was her free will. But you know what? With my parents, it didn't matter. 
But they, when she came back, I took her in, I brought her in, and I was the one, you know, that made them. Because it was either an, it was an ultimatum, either you do this or you you lose both, you know? And they didn't want to lose me because they didn't want me to turn out like her. So, hey, but we just ran and ran and ran and the family just continued, continued, continued to the point where even my brother then physically altercated my my sister, you know, Mm -hmm. she never stayed home. She had like seven kids because she wasn't mentally, you know, I have a lot of mental uh, disabled people in my family. Um, You know, my sister was low, my other sister is bipolar, my brother has just, you know, a neurological impairment. There was a lot of different mental, and and I think that contributes to my parents being alcoholics. Right, right, right. And, you know, with me, my mom didn't even want to get pregnant no more. So she stayed on the pill until she couldn't even take the pill no more. Because being pregnant with me, she um, started to get sick because she was taking the pill and being pregnant with me. She, she, it was either one or the other, but mm. I wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> until, you know. Determined I, to come in. <laughs> yeah. But I ended up coming prematurely, so I did come out, you know, a little bit sick and, you know, a little bit of issues. But, you know, I came out and I was straight. You know, I had my little issues, but I'm I'm good. So, but, you know, the family dysfunction, that's when it comes down to, like I was saying, it's just not always being a single mom. It's just not always being a single dad. It's even with your parents being together. Right. You know, and when I decided when I had my family, you know, my husband and me are perfect. You know, we've been together 35 years. We had our ups and downs. You know, my two daughters are single parents. Well, my youngest daughter is somewhat here and there, single parent. And all this daughter is definitely a single parent. And my son, you know, he was a preemie. So he has his mental disorders. But but my parents, you cannot be in a family relationship and think that being married is the ultimate sacrifice and be happy about it and think that's the best thing to do because it's not but sometimes you have to separate right 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 i think you have to you do have to get to this point where you can acknowledge that you're both in a toxic place and being two toxic people together just because you love to love each other is not going to make it better you know my mom and my dad were, were very toxic together they, they should have split, you know, it was, I was actually 16 when I got emancipated and I left home because I was over it. I was like, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this shit no more. I, you guys do you. I'm going to go live my life and you guys, you know, uh, shits crumble. At that point, I, I didn't care. You know, it was just like, I'm over it. Um, they had a lot of bad habits and a lot of 
um, just their fighting and carrying on and, and the drinking and all of that. It was just like, when I got to 16, I was just like, I was pregnant with my, my second daughter and I was just like, I'm over it. I, I just can't, I can't be in this house. You know, I don't want to be in this house. I don't want to be in the negativity. So that's why I say we, we have to get to this point. And I know we, we all have work when we, when you have a dysfunctional family, you're coming from a place of where no one knows how to get help. There's no one who knows how to get help. Nobody's gotten any help. And not to say just traditional therapy, because there's so many ways to heal. There's so many ways to get help, but we didn't have any of that, right? So at some point you have to take that step back and say that, I just, I don't want this. This, this is not okay. I don't, you know, you have to see it for what it is. I don't ever want to be in a relationship. And one of the things I started to do with my daughter's father was just be together because we were together because we had a kid, you know? Oh, I guess we're going to make it work because we got a kid. And then when we started arguing back and forth and it was just a constant going back and forth, I just remember I had a breaking point and I had my daughter in my arms and I just were arguing, we're screaming and she's in my arms crying. And that was my breaking point to just say, the fuck are we doing? We don't even get along. What, what's the point? <laughs> you know, we're not getting anywhere. It's just getting worse. So at what point do we, we take that accountability to be like, you know what? Maybe we do need a fucking break. Maybe I need to go get help. Cause I do feel like my mom and dad needed their separate help. They needed to go to rehab. They needed to go, you know, and fix themselves. And then maybe they could have came back sober and who knows what would have happened. But that drinking, the drugs and all of that stuff, that changes you. You're not the same person. And if you're angry and if you're hurt, that all comes out when you're drinking. All of that comes out. And then you push all of that onto your children. That's like, um, you know, when I was younger and I was having my, uh, you know, I had, you know, you're familiar with this. I had a really bad pregnancy and I got really sick. Um, and I mean, I, I lost the baby. But, you know, I pretty much had a breakdown. And I wasn't there for my oldest daughter. And she, we, she remembers this and she recalculates this all the time. Right. And um, just the other day, she went off on me again about this. You weren't there for me. This, 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 this. And I pretty much broke down, you know, and I, uh, I'm like, but you, you, she didn't know what I was going through. Right. You know? Right. And I can't go, and I, I explained to her somewhat, but how can, I can't explain to her and then I can't fix it either. Because no, I wasn't there for her because of what I was going through. But I can't say I'm, I'm sorry because I am sorry, but I'm sorry that I wasn't there, but I can't help you because I wasn't there for you. Because I had to be there for you emotionally I had to be there for you in some kind of way but I couldn't be there for you emotionally in the way that I needed to be right and because I wasn't there for her emotionally the way that I needed to be there for her she always brings that up when she gets angry with me right right and, right and that ends up hurting my feelings really bad right yeah 
you know um so sometimes i get really bad in, in anxiety from it then right. i'm angry and right. i have to cut that down but you know i just let it go and my, i talk to my husband about it and we have really good communication about it you know and my other daughter and i have a good communication about it and my son he's just my son is just like his father overprotective and he just what you know but anyway but she but she doesn't understand and in a way she understands but it's she's it's like she has pstd so you know um one of the things about it is no matter what you say you can't take that away from her because she went through it she experienced it right um and i've also you know similar with my daughter of just working too much and not you know not being home left her alone you know and as much as it's like damn that's why i didn't want you to feel abandoned i didn't want you to feel alone you still did and there's nothing i can't take that away from her i do you know i did apologize as well but the reason i was going to say why your daughter white keeps coming up when she's angry is because she hasn't sat with the childbirth of herself so her child version of herself keeps coming out when she's angry because she hasn't set with that side of her so you know like that kind of meditation i've done with, with everyone if she did that she'd be able to sit with that that younger version of her and console that version of her um and she needs to do that that's the only way that she's going to work through a lot of a lot of that ptsd because you can't do anything you could say sorry until you know, your face is blue and that's not going to change the little one inside her that's screaming because it's really screaming for her to acknowledge it, acknowledge the, the issue, but also um, be that kind of like see and feel it and release it, you know, um, but yeah, you, you can't take that away. It's like um, not everybody means to, to create the dysfunction, right? Some of this shit is not like, I didn't mean to become this person. This is not how I saw my life, right? But shit happens. It does. The biggest thing is not to let things go on for years and years and years and not discuss it. You know, one of the things I do with my grandson is when they start shutting down, it's like, no, talk about it. What's going on? Express what's going on within you. Don't just shut down. Don't just cut it off. Don't just say you don't know. Let's talk about it. Put it on the table. Vent, you know. Um, and sometimes that's a struggle because sometimes they will they will just shut down and it's just like, no, 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 let's let's not do that. Oh, it's a rough one, I think, being a parent, period. And then when you when you're going through mental issues and I had a lot of depressive episodes throughout my daughter's childhood most of it I did it in secret most of it I, I kept on that face to do it in secret um and there was there was a lot of times where it was like a lot it's a lot to be a parent regardless to if you have a husband or not it's a lot to be a parent to take on child's emotions and child and, and what they have going through especially when you have your own trauma you know I I told my daughter um when she was a baby, unfortunately, I still loved her, but I had so much panic, so much fear that she was going to die like her first her first sister. You know, I did not get to enjoy bringing her home. I actually wanted to stay in the hospital longer. When they were like, oh, we're going to release you, I started to panic. I was in full fucking panic mode. Like, no, don't we need to stay here? Like, does she need to stay here longer? And they're like, no, we're going to give you a monitor. You'll be okay. 
Um, but I was in this panic mode and that takes away from your experience as mom. When you've gone through this trauma with another child, she's not going to understand that because she's never had to go through that. She'll never fully, no matter what you say, she'll never fully understand that because she doesn't know what it feels like to go through that. Well, you know, my daughter, um, she was pregnant with twins and she lost them because she has uh, in, uh, she can't hold children. She has to get sewn up. And then when she had my grandson, she got sewn up. And then right before she was due, they released, you know, they unsewed her. You know, so she lost her twin girls. Mm. That was pretty traumatic for her. Right. And um, and then she got pregnant again, and right before she was going to get sewn up again, uh, she lost the baby. So, you know, then she went and got... So, and, you know, so she knows the experience of going through the traumatic of losing a baby, but she didn't know the traumatic of what I went through when I, you know, had to my baby wasn't like her babies were healthy right my baby was not healthy right right my baby was completely sick my baby was dying right you know um it it was a a, a iffy situation in that you know it was a a here and there situation be here for them or be here for me and me die. It was it, it was just crazy. But anyway, um, she so she knows the dramatic loss of losing a baby, but she just doesn't know the full story mm. about what I was going through when I was dealing with that. Right. And then um, when I um, had my son, you know, he ended up being preemie and I was high risk with him. And so she understood that because at that time she was older. Mm. You know, she she was in those, she was only like five or six, so, but she understood a little bit better. Right. So, but you know, she just, I don't, you know, she just remembers, you know, what she chooses to remember and what she chooses not to remember. And, mm. you know, and then she just throws it all at me. And then I have to keep my, my temper back calm. Right. You know, because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll snap and mm. I can't because we're both snap and right. I can't do that. And because she doesn't know, and I don't want to snap at her to hurt her feelings. Right. Because right. I, I can't. You know, if I was to do that, then I would probably hurt her worse than she would hurt me. Right. So, right. And as a mom, as her mom, I don't want to do that. Right. So, you know, and that's where our little, you know, issue is with that. But having to, to, to grow up, the way that I grew up, I chose not to raise my family the way I grew up. So that's why I choose not to treat her, even though she snaps and she does, and she does what she does. I I still choose not to snap and do whatever she chooses to do to me. So, you know, because I'm not gonna 
go and slap her in the face like I used to get slapped in the face. Right. I'm not right. gonna go. I I never beat any of my children. You know, I would right. uh, they know my voice. That's right. how I would get them. <laughs> my voice and my temper, you know, and once I get mad and I, I, I chose to raise my voice, that was it. They know. In my eyes. Cause you know, I'm Italian, you you look in my eyes. That was it. <laughs> right. You know? So, you know, they knew. I just got to look at them one time right. and they knew. Right. But and I didn't want to raise them by get, get, getting them weapons. Um, I didn't want to raise them by, you know, um, making them go stand in the corner or nothing like that. I said, just go clean your room. It's clean. No, because you didn't do this. Go clean your room again and make sure it's clean again. And that's right. it. I, I didn't make them. I didn't beat them. I, I just did not beat them. And my kids used to do a lot, a lot of shit. <laughs> I didn't, when my daughter got to teen years, I, I, there was no more hitting because it just, there was pointless. When she got to the teen years, I took the very things that she loved the most. So that was that cell phone, the things, you know, those things like that. You take that cell phone, it's like shutdown mode. So when she got her teens, there was no whoopings and stuff like that. And then like a little bit after that, when she's at her teens, she ended up having my grandsons, but it, it still was, it would, I think it, again, you don't have to beat your kids. You don't have to whoop your kids. Um, but I definitely was like, yeah, no. <laughs> I, um, I didn't get beat as a child. You know, my mom and dad fought. They fought, you know. I didn't get beat from them. They were not physical abusers. Unfortunately, the mental and the emotional <laughs> shit is what fucked me up as a kid, you know. Um, I got both. I got both because, yeah. you know, my mom, my mom uh, always argued with my dad because of his girls. And, you know, he, you know, we were his favorites. Mm. And that was it, you know. And then by the time she had my sister and my baby sister, she made sure that she snatched her up. And, um, and, you know, so my dad and me and my sister was the favorite, and especially me, because um, I was the preemie. But, um, and I was my grandmother's favorite. But my mom, she always, she was very verbally abusive. She was very physically abusive towards us. Um, and the only way that we would get a whooping from our father is if, Tom, if you don't whoop their ass, I'm leaving you. Oh, wow. She was emotional, uh, emotional manipulative also. Yes, yes. And he would do it. He would do it. And that's the only way that we would get a whooping. If she didn't have her way. And, you know, you know, when, when she finally passed... You know, I took it upon myself and I wrote her a letter and I sent it out and I returned it back and then I burnt it. So, and that's what made me feel better. So a lot of people say, you know, um, they have a lot of iffies about their mom and this and that, but you know what? I still miss her, you know? And I feel right. better now that I burnt the letter. 
I right. feel that I'm released right. from her emotional abuse. I think um, what people don't realize is that the it's like the um, what's that thing where where someone gets Stockholm syndrome. You love your parents, even though you hate them all at the same time. You know, the environment is chaotic. That's why you run away. I was a child that ran away. I ran away when I was 13. Um, You know, so there's reasons why you want to get away, but you also have the dysfunctional love for them at the same time, where if they need you, you're going to show up. Because even though I got emancipated at 16, within a year, my dad and my mom were in my home. You know, they had lost their place and a lot of other stuff happened and they were both at my door and it was just like (sighs) all right you know and and took them in and and so you have that dysfunctional love for them and it took um a long time for me to realize that that that's not the way to live. Like that's not happy. Me and my mom always argued. We'd be cool for one minute and then we'd be arguing about some shit. And it was always about the choices of life, the choices that we decided to live. You know, my mom, uh, of course, not of course, but she ended up, you know, drinking a lot in, in her life. And that was her choice to do. But it was just like, you live with me. So why do I need to deal with this shit now? So it was a constant battle. And I think people don't realize that when you have your own issues, your own mental issues, your addictions or whatever it is that you got going on, stop putting it off on your family as they need to deal with it. They need to take you in. They need to 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 watch you, you know, in your demise, especially if they already went through this shit in their childhood. And I've seen that a lot where you have a lot of people who are still dealing with a lot of this dysfunction because, well, this is just it. This is family, right? This is what we need to deal with. And I think at some point you got to say, is, is this what you really want? Is this how you really want to want to behave? And if we're going to argue and fight and we get to this point where you want to cuss me out, either we need to get some help or we just don't need to be together no more. Because I don't think it's healthy to be sitting here cursing each other out, calling each other names, you know, when something happens, you know, when like we get angry. I don't even argue with people no more, to be honest. I don't argue with anybody. You know, like when... When it was time for, when my mom found, my mom never, 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 never went to the doctor. Mm. She found out everything about herself when it was too late. You know, I would take them to the doctors whenever I can get my mom to go. Mm. And my dad, he would always go to the doctors. And by the time we found out my mom had breast cancer, um, it was too late for her. You know, so, you know, she just sat there and she refused to do anything. She would never get a mammogram. You know, that's like tomorrow I'm scheduled to get my mammogram. Um, But she just let herself. After she seen her daughter die of brain cancer and her sister die of breast cancer, she still refused to get it done. So... You know, then, you know, then it came down to my dad. My dad trusted me as the only one to be his proxy. I would take him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But yet, I was the worst child out the mom because the other one was dead already. Mm. So, okay. But my dad, not to my dad, I wasn't. But to my mom, yeah. But 
you got to take care of what you got to take care of. And now I would, I would argue with my mom, mom, you got to go. You're sick. You do, you got to do this. Right. She wouldn't go. My dad, but his end of his time, he didn't want to listen. He just want, he ended up pretty much giving up. And because he still had his mental stability, I couldn't make him do anything. Right, 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 right. You know what you shouldn't want to, though? Um, I, I, I've recently gone through this with some of my mom, and I definitely went through this with my dad when, when he was dying. And you shouldn't want to have to make somebody want to live. You know, in that moment where you're trying to beg somebody to live, that's when you got to realize that that's out of your own selfish needs. It's out of your own selfish needs because you can't handle this person dying. So you're like, nope, you got to get better. You got to do what you need to eat what you want. But I recently had to remind myself this with my mom. Like, you know what? I'm not going to, I I can't be in here reminding you of the things that you need to do. You have, your mind is still here. Your mind is intact. All your mental faculties are still here. So that's, that's up to you. You don't want to do it. Don't do it. It's your, it's your care. I think we have to, and it's not like, oh, I just given up. Like, oh, I don't give a fuck about you. Bye. You know, but at the same time, it's like, we're adults here. So if you don't want to do what the regimen is, then I guess you gave up. And I just, we just got to plan for that. You know, now we just got to accept it. Like, all right, don't want to do it. Okay. I love you. And and let's say our piece, but we get so, and that's the dysfunctional part too, is holding on um, this, the fear of death. When someone is, is in your face, not doing the things that they know and they know that death is coming because when you get diagnosed with cancer, it's like you only have so many options. You don't take those options. What's, what's coming for you? Death. (laughs) That's like my, I have two, uh, three other siblings that are like left only because I had another sister who passed away. She had cancer and, you know, she had, um, she, she ended up hemorrhaging to death. So it's only three of us left now. Okay. And my younger sister was pregnant and had cancer. So she had to go through radiation and trying to tell her something because she has a mental disorder. Mm. It was trying to tell her something was just trying to tell the wall to move Jennifer's faces back. My brother has a mental disorder and trying to get him to do something. It's like, but I can talk to his doctor for him. You know, I can make his appointments. I can do this and that for him. But my sister, no. And my older brother, forget it. He, he he was banging at the door according to his, his daughter the other day and the ambulance was. He couldn't breathe. That's COPD. He's older than me. But he looks, you know, he doesn't take care of himself like he's supposed to. I, I can't take care of you. That's your children's responsibility. Mm. You can do it. But I, I gotta take care of me and I got enough things going with me. And I can't take care of nobody. I have to take care of me, mine, and that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Because if you're not going to take care of yourself, I got to take care of myself. Right, right. You end up stressing yourself out so much trying to force somebody to do the right thing. And it doesn't matter if it's a health issue, if it's an addiction, you know, it doesn't matter what it is if it's mental issues, if the person is refusing to get care, there's not much that you can do. 
you really are, um, it's, it's out of your hands. And at that point you have to decide what am I willing to go through? And I've watched so many, even myself, myself included has broke themselves down trying to be there for people. You know what I mean? Trying to be there. And that's a part of this dysfunction. You're still trying to be there. You're still trying to operate. You're still trying to hope that one day everybody gets better. And, and you have this, this family that just never comes. The healthiness never comes because nothing changes. No one gets that's, help. You know that's the problem with me. I'm the my numerology number is a six. Mm. Yeah, when I'm a, when you're a six, you're a caregiver. Mm. And that's the only problem with me is like I like to try to help people. Right. You right. know what your numbers when you right. go down to the astrological and you go to right. your numbers, you break it down. I'm a six. Right. And and being a Libra, you try to <laughs> things weigh things out and you're at six and you're a caregiver and so you're like, uh and then you know, I have to try to balance me out. Right. Okay, right. hey, I gotta go in between and say I need to take care of me. No. Well, cause you can't take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself first. And you can't let it's like you can't let the whole ship sink because you're trying to save somebody. One of the things that I used to do, I have strong Virgo in my chart and Virgo is a sign of being a caregiver also, right? And the bad thing that I used to do was I would always do too much for everyone and my whole world would come crashing down. And so what I learned was to stop doing that. Stop taking on everybody's, all of their problems. Stop making all of their issues mine because you can't save the world. You can help people to an extent. Some people need to go through their issues. Some people need to go through homelessness. Some people need to stand in that church line and go get those groceries. We always, you know, people make us try to feel bad, like, oh, you didn't help or you didn't do this and you don't care. But sometimes you need those lessons because how can you do better if someone is always there to save your ass in life? If every time I got something going on, I just got multiple people here to save me, I will never learn the lesson to get my shit together. So sometimes as that caregiver, you have to also understand when to step back. You got to also understand when to say, you know what? I'm not available today. I'm tired today. I need me today. I need to rejuvenate. I need to, you know, soak in my own energy and, and, you know, recharge. And I think a lot of people forget that you just are constantly go, 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 do, 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 and take care. And that's part of the dysfunction because you're still trying to hold on and and put together pieces that are, are out of your control. If it's not yours, it's not your own trauma, you can't really do anything for someone. You can be an ear, you can be support, but if it comes to breaking yourself down, your home down, your pockets, now you're adding to it instead of fixing. Yes. You know? And it took me a minute to learn that, but actually I I did learn that. And it's it's rough, but Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes I have that guilty thing about it because you know what I realized I need that mental break I need that I just relax and I go take a bath my little candles my little incense and that's it I'm done I'm done right (laughs) you know one um 
one where I kind of I've messed up as a mom. I wasn't the perfect mom. I was so trying to be different from my mom that I ended up doing too much for my daughter, being overly there, always jumping in when she needed me. And then every time her world come crashing down, it's run back to mom. It's run back to mom. In some instances, that's good because she knows that she always has somewhere to go. But the bad part about that is that she will just say, fuck it, because I got somewhere to go. <laughs> you know, and we've had this discussion where I told her I was just like, man, I've actually hindered you. Um, because not that she can't survive on her own. She definitely can. But if it gets to that point, she's like, oh, no, fuck it, because I got mom. And so that actually was something not good for her in her 20s. She's 26 now. So in her 20s, she's been going back and forth trying to, to get her shit together. And it's just like she just falls back on mom because she can. And so we had to talk about that. And it was just like, oh, shit, I've actually hindered you. I did not like I was too much available too there, too ready to stand in it to help you and and take on you know because her the baby daddy not being um in the boy's life and just taking on that responsibility being full-time grandma and just feeling like man if i give her more support maybe she'll make it better than me but actually i did too much so again dysfunction there has to be that balance of they're going to have to go through some things. They're going to have to learn their lessons and you doing too much is not going to help the situation. It actually is going to backfire on you. And then you're, and then my daughter developed a fear of failure. So then she, before she completely failed, she just would give up. And it was just like, okay, let's let's work this through. Where the fuck is this coming from? And mm-hmm. one of the things I realized through all her life, she always heard me say, failure is not an option. And I would say that over and over because to me, I couldn't fail. There was nowhere for me to lean on. There was nobody for me to lean on, you know, with, with parents that don't got their shit together, fa- no family that I can turn to. I did not have a crutch. So for me, it was like failure is not an option, but oh my God, that was not the right thing to embed in her life because failure is a part of life. So again, we don't even realize that we're creating dysfunction in our relationships sometimes because we're just going through our emotions in the moment. I never thought that that was a bad thing to say because that's how I felt, you know? But it didn't do it didn't do her. It actually embedded this fear of failure within her and in the subconscious. Well, you know, that's like here, you know, my kids, they know that they always have a home to come back to. But I, you know, I they used to call me a mean mom. Okay. <laughs> they called me a mean mom because I was so strict and I was so dominant on them. You know, I showed them how to do their laundry when they were five and six. Right. I showed them how to separate their clothes, their whites from the colors, their socks, and all that mismatch sock shit. I wasn't having it. I was <laughs> not having it. And and when they still do it, they do it now, because you know they they do their own thing now. Right. But, right. Um, but but they know no matter what. They have their own, they can come back. Right. To, and right. come back home. But they don't want to. 
know my son needs a different story because of his own issues but my daughter's no you know my daughter lived with me for almost a year it took her a while because she was so backed up a little bit mm. but she and him now got her own plate she's doing great and thank god my oldest daughter forget it she 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 tried one night to come back home that she went back she she's like no no, 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 it ain't happening. <laughs> She's out the door again. And you know, we I, we have this extra room and I'm trying to keep it for myself and my terror. Yeah, you know, but I, it's just impossible because everybody's trying to keep it. It's like, no, I need my own space, I need my own room. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I keep telling them when they when they move out that I get to walk around naked. You know, that's my goal. My goal is to be able to walk around naked. Hopefully one day. <laughs> I mean, I can't because I got a boy here. You know. So. Right. <laughs> so it's like one day I'll be able to. So... You know, some of the big things just to, to kind of backtrack on when we're looking at your families, you guys, when you're looking at, am I in a dysfunctional family? One of the things is you don't have to run from your family because normally when you realize that it's dysfunctional, you become the black sheep. You normally tend to separate yourself because you're not okay with the things that are going on. You're not okay to sit in the dysfunction. So you actually start to become the black sheep of everybody else and feel like you just don't belong. Um, But hopefully you and your family can come together and be like, we got issues. We toxic as fuck. Let's all go get some family therapy or some shit. Let's all work on this. It's when they don't want it and no one sees a problem with their actions that you have to then say no. Because when I was pregnant with my second daughter, I didn't want nobody around her. I didn't want no one <laughs> to come around. Uh, it was only me and her dad at the hospital. Like I didn't want a bunch of people around. I didn't want their negativity. I didn't want the shit. I shut it down. It was just like, nope, not dealing with it. And I think you have to make those choices for your children. Um, and it's not in a mean way. It's not to be like, okay, fuck the family. But it's like, do I want my child to grow up seeing me arguing and fighting and cursing at each other and calling each other names and, and demeaning and, or someone being physical. I would never want my child raised in a, in a house where there's physical fucking abuse. You know, I never would like me. That is a, it's a trigger for me. Physical altercations. I cannot be around people who are, are fighting and especially man and woman. I can't, that's a trigger for me. I can't do it. Um, I don't know how people do it. I, I just like, don't come to my house with the shit. <laughs> Can't. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree because seeing that happen and, you know, growing up in that type of environment, you know, it doesn't make life easy. But you, your choice, you make your own choices in this world, you know, even though you make your own family in this world. Um, you pick and choose the family that you go into, and that's when your life lessons come into this world. You know, like you say, you gotta learn from those karma um, episodes, you gotta learn from your own karma, and that's why you pick your own family to learn from your karma, to get out of that karma, to move forward. Um, and 
you have to learn from those lessons. And if you have to be that black sheep of the family, that's you getting out of that karma that you chose to learn from. Right. Because, you know, the one, a lot of people mistake karma and they think because they have a karmic bond with someone and a karmic lesson that they have to stay in it. And it's like, no, once you realize <laughs> that it's the karmic lesson, you don't got to be there no more. No. It's like ding, ding, ding. Oh, shit. This is a fucking lesson. And we're repeating this shit <laughs> multiple yeah. times. I can just stop and change this and I don't got to fucking keep doing this shit. Yeah. But a lot of people think karma is like, oh, no, by old karma, I got to stay in this shit. I must I must have done something crazy to deserve this. No, that's not always the case either. I've seen some people stay in some very toxic, fucked up situations and use that, well, this must be my karma, you know, thing to stay in. And and that I think is a cop out. I think that's a cop out to stay because once you realize it, you're free to go. You're, you don't have to stay. There's nothing intended for you to be abused and, and, and harmed and hurt your whole life. Like that's not the intentions. That's not the karma. Even when we look at people who have done crazy shit in past lives, I still don't believe in this life they're meant to just be abused and all of this other crazy shit and that's your torment for your whole existence you know well once you learn that lesson then and you get out of that karmic lesson and you've learned it and that karma is gone you moved on yeah you don't got to relive it and you don't have to to deal with it. it it's just looking at providing a space even if you don't have children providing a space that's loving and safe wherever you are let it be loving let it be safe let it be nurturing and supportive and um most of the time dysfunctional families need a lot of work and everybody has to be on board and don't be afraid to separate yourself it's not in a way because you will get told you think you're better or you you know you think you're you know who do you think you are you know those kind of things yeah but that's just coming out of their hurt place. That's just coming out of their trauma. And you just have to walk away from that and let it go. The biggest thing is to understand that you don't got to stay. And if, and if they never get help, then is I know it's hard to kind of that be the reality. Cause a lot of people still are dealing with their dysfunctional family because that's all that they have. Um, but that's that's toxic for you. That's not healthy. It's not healthy to stay in any family dynamic that, again, is is that takes more than what it gives to you. Um, and that took me a long time to really understand that myself. And I was constantly in the shit with my family and constantly in the back and forth until it was just like in my 30s. I think I hit my 30s and I just was tired. At that point, I was tired. I was in my early 30s and I just was so tired of even the dysfunctional friendships I had. And it was just like, I'm not a mean person and I would never want to down talk you in this way. So why is this a constant theme in my life? And that made me just take a step back. Um, It was 2012 and I took a step back and I just had to kind of think about things like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want friends like this. I don't want, you know, people around me that one minute we can be okay. And the second you get mad at me for something little, you're cussing me out. You're destroying my house. (laughs) You're doing this crazy shit. Like the fuck? This is not normal. No, no. And unfortunately, in certain aspects, I still tend to deal with that. Um, 
but you know um but it's not in my home that's an other aspect <laughs> but and they always want me to be like the navigator you know mm. look i'm only gonna be a navigator for like this little bit and otherwise i can get going because you know what my energy and i feel it all as an empath i cannot so i'm gonna navigate to this point uh, until i can no longer do it and then i gotta go and that's right. it I'm, right. I'm out the door. I'm out the door. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it gets tiring. I I cut off I cut off cut off twenty year friendships because it, it it just was enough. I I really got to a point where that's just not who I was, and that's not who I wanted to be around. It's not who I wanted my kid around. And then especially thinking about my grandsons um, coming in, you know that that later that year was just like I don't want that, especially not from my side. I don't want them seeing that on my side for me like this is who I have them around or this is who I have them and thinking that this is okay you know and the relationship I have with them is so loving it's so nurturing there is no dysfunction me and my daughter don't argue me and my daughter we have conversations we're able to talk about things where I don't get offended she's not offended and we're able to talk you know about stuff and I think if you really put in the work you can do that and rebuild a relationship or you know get through some trauma but we don't have arguments. Me and my daughter don't argue. The last time we argued was years ago. You know, we don't go through any of that shit. It's it's not necessary. It's only when you still got the trauma and craziness and all of that stuff that you haven't worked on that you're going to be going at it with your family. But me and my daughter also have been on the spiritual path. You know, me probably have done a lot, lot more sessions than she has, but I help her a lot with a lot of things. Um, so again, you, you have to at some point you to say that it's not okay. And no one, I don't care if it's your mother, your father, no one should be demeaning you and making you feel like a piece of shit, making you feel like you're nothing, making you feel like um, you shouldn't even be here. And I think that, you know, there are some pretty sh- shitty parents that say some pretty horrible things. Um, and I know like, you know, even though me and my mom have come a long way, when I was younger, she said some crazy shit. <laughs> It's a very hurtful shit. And it took me a while to work through that. I do understand where it's come from because her mother is worse than she is, right? Or was because her mom's gone now. Um, And I understand where it's come, but that doesn't justify it and say that it was right. It's like, okay, I understand where it came from and why you are who you are. But you were the mother that I had and I still was able to change and do better with my daughter. So I feel like we have to step up into those, into that place of accountability and say, how do I want to step up for my friends and family and then start doing the hard part? The hard part is cutting cords those relationships and it's hard I'm not going to sit here and act like it's easy I'm not going to tell you that tomorrow you guys are going to wake up and just be like yep cutting everybody out because no that's not going to happen but at some point you just you you start to just say like is this what I want if this is what you want keep dealing with it if not you got to break away you got to break away and allow different energy to come into your life and say I'd rather be over here with peace and harmony where people can come together and enjoy themselves right we can have a get together and and it'd be okay without no one fighting no one arguing no bullshit 
at the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's peaceful. <laughs> right. Clean house, clean things, lighting up some incense, putting on some music, and just relaxing. Right. That would be nice. So not the easiest to, to, to navigate you guys, but um, I know we're at the one hour mark um, and we're going to wrap it up. But any any last things that you want to tell um, the listeners about dysfunctional families? <laughs> Just, um, you know, you, you know, you need to keep your inner peace. Keep your inner peace. Do what's best for you and especially you to keep your own energy clean and then try to help others around you. But if you realize that you can't help nobody, you know, do keep your own soul and your energy cleansed and do for you first. Because if you can't do for you first, you can't do nothing for nobody else. Nope. You would just drown with the ass. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. That's what I got for you guys on this episode. Thank you guys so much. Um, As always, sending you love and light, light and love. Bye.